Hello, you have found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. I just wanted to remind you that if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at Ruth, with an E, at boomerangspodcast.com. We're recording this on the Sunday before Christmas, but you will be hearing it probably after Christmas, so we're not going to really dwell on too many of the holiday things that are cropping up right now. But we will be talking about a subject close to our hearts, therapy, and our various adventures in the therapeutic realm. And also impeachment news. It's been a long time since we've checked in on that and for good reason. But now that the impeachment is actually happening, I think it's time for us to just sort of pick our brains. Let's muse. Yes. So therapy. I've had a lot of it. (laughs) I'm having a lot of it now. (laughs) Why? How about you? The first time I went to a psychiatrist was when I was 10 years old. Wow. My sister and I fought like cats and dogs. Oh, yeah. And I was the designated patient of the time. Oh. So I was taken in to see the therapist. You were the identified problem. Mm-hmm. I was. Oh, my sister that was, was a problem that. child. Oh, she was. Yeah. Oh, so okay. was my dad. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone my mom didn't like. <laughs> it's a good thing she liked you. She liked me a lot. (laughs) Anyway, I continue to have therapy. My longest relationships with a therapist, I had one for eight years in my 20s and for 11 years in my 40s. Both of those were beneficial, but really it was just talk therapy. Mm -hmm. I did end up with medication beginning in, let's see, 1996. So I've had talk therapy. Recently, I've had cognitive behavioral therapy, which I like quite a bit. You said it's very effective. Yes. I did cognitive behavioral, but I did it at Kaiser. So I only got to see the therapist once every eight weeks or so. So it really didn't do too much. But he did give me homework and there were charts and things that I was to fill out. Once every eight weeks. Yeah. Kaiser's a great medical system yeah. for physical For mental health, not so good. Okay. So now, what are you involved in currently? Now, I'm in neuroaffective relation modeling, NARM therapy. It's brilliant. I'm not even sure what it is, but I love it. It's a form of therapy that's an offshoot of another kind of therapy I've learned about called somatic... There's a second word to it. It's okay. a branch of therapy. I don't therapy, know the term, but I do know somatic. But, you know, it's it's really about checking in with the body. The body. I think that there's been a movement in modern-day psychotherapy towards methods that, that honor more about the part the body plays uh-huh. in mental illness and mental health, both. And that sometimes checking in with the body can be a much more powerful way of getting through something that's vexing and repetitive rather than just thinking about it or analyzing it. And so I I think it's a way to short-circuit the therapy process and get you to a point. My experience is that my to-do list has shrunk. I used to have this long interior list of things that were wrong with me that needed fixing and that I was going to take years and years of my figuring them out and what did my mother do and what did my sister say and what did my dad do or not do. And I think insights are great. And when you see a pattern... Clearly, Mm -hmm. there's nothing like it. Mm -hmm. But what I'm learning in the NARM slash somatic approach is a lot of what appear to be my problems simply have to do with my inability to calm down. Well, go back for a second. How does the somatic overlap with the NARM that you're doing now? Well, they both are body-centered. Oh, they are. They both put a high premium on checking in with the body. A lot of times in my therapy sessions, the therapist will stop me and say, 
why don't you just stop talking for a second and just see how you're feeling? Tell me what you're feeling. What are you feeling right now? Uh-huh. And it's always a challenge because I, I live in my head so much. Got it. And I usually can't even tell her what I'm feeling. Although, often, if it's a good thing, I feel this feeling inside my chest, like in my sternum, of an openness and a kind of quietness. I don't know. It's been simplifying things for me. I'm not trying so hard to figure out why I'm this yeah. way or that way. Yeah. One of the manifestations of childhood trauma is an overly aroused nervous system, which basically means you're nervous all the time. And well, you're hypervigilant, I imagine. That could be part of it too. Yeah. yeah, whatever. You're revved up. And I've always been revved up, but I've always just been told I'm high strung. But I'm high strung because that's a symptom of developmental trauma early on. Well, just over these few months that we've been podcasting, I've seen a difference in you. I mean, the trip to Paris was a huge... Mm, yeah, I used it there, though. I, I made a point of staying calm when I, to the degree I was able to. Even when I do storytelling now, I will stop in the middle of my story and just say, whoa, I'm really trying to calm down these days, so I just need to take a second here and just take a breath. And I'll do it in the middle of a story. Oh, wow. And for performance, it's great. I've always loved performing, but I've always loved performing from the standpoint of I'm going to make them like me and it's going to be gratifying. Well, it is when they do. <laughs> but, but you know what? It's not fun. It's not fun because it's slavish. It's all about the response you get. Yeah. I walk out and do a story now and it's like, I'm going to go out there because I want to enjoy myself. The way I know that I can enjoy myself is to calm down. Uh-huh. And the story gets better, it turns out, because I'm not forcing it down anyone's throat, you know. And your voice gets lower. And my voice gets very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say sexy. And I become very attractive. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Yeah. It's fun to learn that the problems you have may not be as complex or as insurmountable as you think. Yeah. But the solutions are almost counterintuitively simple. I would say I have a different process. Mm -hmm. Mine has to do with trying to get in touch with my actual feelings. Mm. Early on, I learned that vulnerability was not my friend. Right. And that to express hurt was to leave myself open. Right. And that really did not go well. The phrase, what's wrong with you, was mm. used a lot. And I learned that lesson, that there was something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And what was wrong with me was that I had these feelings right. and I wasn't able to express them. It took me years to be able to express anger without it being completely toxic because what would happen was um, I would deny that I was angry and then right. by denying it, it would build up and build up. And then right. by the time that it revealed itself, it was so volcanic that it alienated everybody that I was around rather than being able to actually check in with myself and say, I think that something is going on here and there's a boundary being breached and I need to take care of it right now. Mm -hmm. I'm getting better at that, but I still have a hard time. I was just watching The Holiday with the girls last night, and the character that Cameron Diaz plays can't cry, oh. and that's kind of me. I wouldn't say that I can't cry, but I have a really hard time with it, and it's generally over something else or someone else's right. pain or trauma right. and not anything that I'm feeling directly. So I went into a group therapy situation, and I was asked, what would be your goal? And I said that I would I would be able to cry right. without feeling like I had to control it. And I've gotten close, mm -hmm. but it's still elusive. So 
I hope it's coming. There's no reason to believe that I'm on the wrong path and that it won't be. But mm. I currently have a good talk therapist. Right. I'm in a process group, which is all women. And I'm also in a female support group, all women. Oh, yeah. So I got a lot of therapy going on. Right. I should tell you, too, my therapist, we talk on the first and third Tuesdays of the month. And then on the second, every other week, we do something I don't even know what it is. I asked her what it is, and she said it's neurofeedback. So I sit in a chair in front of a TV screen, and she puts electrical nodes. What are they called? Uh -huh. Those? She yeah. puts them on my head in certain spots, and they hook up to some machine behind me that I've never really taken much time to look at, <laughs> like a computer. It's just a laptop computer. And I guess it's giving her feedback on what parts of my brain are being activated. activated. Uh-huh. I get to watch whatever I want, so I always watch nature shows with David Attenborough. Good choice. I love his voice, and I love those shows. And this is going to sound so wacky. She gives me a teddy bear, uh -huh. but the teddy bear has a wire on it, and the teddy bear vibrates. And as I'm watching the TV, the screen, like you look at a TV and you see the picture on the TV. Imagine if all of a sudden from the top and sides, a large frame started to close in. Oh. Almost like an aperture on a camera. Uh -huh. And suddenly the picture's smaller and there's black all around it. And then it'll get a little bigger and then it might get smaller and then it'll get all real big again. And same with the teddy bear. He vibrates, but sometimes it's a high velocity vibrating and sometimes it's a little lower and a little... And all I know is it feels really good to hold this teddy bear against my stomach and feel the vibration. When I'm done, she says, how are you feeling? And I said, I feel calm. So I don't get it. Huh. But I just trust her and I trust the process. And I've been doing it long enough to learn. Yeah. It's like she's rewiring your brain. Yeah. That's cool. It's like I, I'm used to walking around with a certain amount of self-criticism. and well, it can you be... talked about repetitive negative thoughts. Yeah. And I've always wanted to let go of them. But I never thought the solution was to hold a vibrating teddy bear. <laughs> And watch lions kill each other on the, on the savannah with David Attenborough saying how fascinating it is. Well, this sounds like a really way more dynamic enterprise than yeah. most talk therapy is. Yeah. It sounds like it's really aims at the source of the problems, not just the original patterning that went on that created right, the problems. Right, right. And I think it undoes some of the trauma effects because uh -huh. the response in the moment to traumatic situations or developmental trauma is to get very wound up because you're waiting for the next oh, missile yeah. to come through. You know, yeah. you're always expecting the next thing. Anyway, so I'm very pleased with it. I think that's great. I don't know that I have anything more to say. <laughs> <laughs> but you've gotten, you said with the cognitive behavioral that you've gotten real results. I found it brought me a lot of peace. Right. And it allowed me to look at how my brain works right. and see how my brain responds to things right. and really what that means to how I react. And I think I've made more progress in the last four years than I made in all the talk therapy that I had right. up until that time. If you think about it, 12-step programs are behavioral therapy. Yep, yep. And those work as well as anything right. else in affecting people's really deepest compulsions and, right. and addictions. Right. And connection is what you get in the 12-step community, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's my other, um, my two Your curing two principles yeah. are relaxing and also connection. Well, it makes sense it's, because in order to connect with other people, you have to calm down. That's right. <laughs> they do go together. Yeah. So shall we go on to our long neglected topic, which is 
impeachment. Oh my God. Yes. Let's venture forth. Um, as of today, Congress has gone on vacation for the holidays and Nancy Pelosi has not given the articles of impeachment to the Senate, I believe, right. because she said she doesn't know who the managers of that process are going to be in the Senate. She can't know that because she doesn't know what format the Senate trial is going to take. Although so, I think he's made it pretty clear what the format's going to take. It's going to be a railroad. And yet Trump is saying that he wants a trial in a traditional sense. But he doesn't want witnesses, does he? He doesn't want the witnesses that the Congress asked for. Mm. So no, he doesn't want those witnesses. He doesn't right. want to be able to call on Hunter Biden right. and maybe Joe Biden and the whistleblower, the one he can't stop talking about. Oh yeah. I heard that person's going to come forth anyway. I've heard that for a long time, but why yeah. do we need him no. or her? No, but I think they're going to. And I think it's a good idea because I think it will take that argument off the table. Well, that argument is, to me, it's already off the table. And Don't still see we that have going to, anywhere. And still we persist because... It's the right thing to do. It is the right yeah. thing to do. Yeah. I held up the impeachment headline to my youngest. Oh, yeah. And said, Trump is History. impeached. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, so what? Nothing's going to change. I felt the same way as she did. But I'm thinking, and now that we discuss it, I think the question about whether minds will be changed or not is maybe the wrong question. I think you're right about that. Yeah. I think we had to do it. We couldn't stand here and say... And we let him get away with the next thing and the next thing it. and the next mm -hmm. thing. Something had to happen. Yeah. And whether this creates a, uh, an environment where Democrats have a better chance of winning the presidency, I don't know. Right. I don't think anybody can know that. Yeah, it's crazy. I was telling you, I listened to Trumpcast today. Yeah. And, um, with Virginia with Heffernan. With Virginia Heffernan, who we adore. And she interviewed a historian from NYU. And it was just so interesting to hear patterns of authoritarian rule from notable European dictators in the last hundred years. Hitler and Mussolini and, and oh, and Pinochet and actually. And to the letter, some of the things Trump has been saying and doing, drain the swamp. That was something that other dictators have used. They come in on this wave of this fabricated idea that there's all this corruption happening and I'm here to stop it yes. and clean it all up. Yes. And it plays and on people's you. sense of being left out. It appeals to people who feel disenfranchised and like they've gotten a raw deal. Well, can we talk about the evangelicals for a second? Yeah. Because there was just a big article in Christianity Today calling for his impeachment. Yeah. Now, Christianity Today was founded by Billy Graham. Right. And is no longer, they are no longer associated with it. Right. And but, Franklin Graham trashed it, right? Yes, his son trashed it. Yeah. And yet, 22% of evangelicals don't agree with Trump and what he's doing. So there is a faction, Trump called them left-wing, Right. But there is a faction that is not on board with his behavior. Right. And one can only hope that that will grow because yeah. maybe that article will be something like, have you no shame, sir? Maybe. I think a lot of the folks that are so tightly attached to him and are of an evangelical background feel that God put him there so that abortion could be overturned. Abortion through the judges. And so as, the choice of judges. as horrifying as he is, it's all part of God's great plan mm -hmm. because this is the only way that abortion is going to be criminalized, which it well, needs yeah. to be if you have that mindset. And there's also a thing with anti-Semitism. There is anti-Semitism in Trump's rhetoric. Right. And yet he's very bonded to Netanyahu. Right. And the idea in Christianity about the rapture is that all the Jews need to go to Israel. They need to get the hell out of all the other countries and just go to Israel. And that's when the rapture will take place. 
And they won't be taken because they're Jews. Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) But what does it matter where they are? I guess they want them all in one place so that nobody gets scooped up. Well, they don't want them around. They don't want them in their countries. That's weird. Yeah. It's psychotic, really. I think that evangelicals believe in Trump because he came in and, again, drained the swamp mm-hmm. to slash through that black guy's agenda and undo everything that he did. And the criminal anti-corruption thing, that was what he did with Hillary. He made her into a corrupt oh, yes. entity. And then you yes. had people shouting out, lock, lock her, her up. up. Yes. And that's not new. That's what, what this historian pointed out, was that is a tried and true trademark yeah. of authority ruled by an individual because you make enemies out of certain people and mm-hmm. you, make enemies. you delegitimize a whole segment of the population journalists and journalists and that way for the followers you have inoculated yourself mm-hmm. because they will mm-hmm. not take those people seriously anymore yeah It's fascinating. We need a therapist for our culture. Yeah. Because we have a lot of weird stuff happening. Well, did the authoritarian, did they have an opinion about impeachment and where this fits in? She was saying that it's important to oppose and to stand up, even though you're not in power, to do it to the degree that you can. And protest movements are important and they matter. Yeah. And the one point she made that was more hopeful than I've heard in a while is that as extreme and dangerous and toxic as these strongmen dictators can be, they often, when they fall, they fall fast. Yeah. And they can be taken down in a matter of a few days. Yeah. Things happen surprisingly fast when they happen, like the fall of the Berlin Wall. It's just a shift happens and suddenly they're out. She gave me hope that this current situation will not be an indefinite one. There will be an end to this. You know, how soon it comes is another story, but it's not going to be forever. And other people say that once Trump's out, he has to be out eventually. People think that the Republican Party is going to implode because without him, there's no no belief system. Yeah. Well, he's taken them for a ride. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see who survives this. I think once Trump is gone, they'll just turn on a dime and say, we didn't believe in him in the first place. Yeah, Yeah. or yeah, exactly. It wasn't me. He told a good story and I believed in him. But now that I see the the light of day, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go back there again. You know, Trump got elected with 53% of the female vote. That's he wow. had he had the white women's vote and a lot of that is suburban college educated and those women. Those people peeled off, right? They're the reason that 2018 the, the happened. Wave. The blue wave. Mm-hmm. That's right. And why Kentucky went the way it did and mm-hmm. Virginia went the way it did. Right. So, I think that there's reason to be hopeful that that faction is going to come out strong for the anti-Trump. This was discussed in and Trump cast the idea that Trump has activated people who were never active before. That's true. So he has the scarlet eye now on his forehead. Well, no. someone said that depending on... Everything's changed, but nothing has changed. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Depending on whether he actually gets a second term, if mm-hmm. he doesn't, mm-hmm. impeachment will be the first article in his obituary. He will be mentioned as the third president to have been impeached. Yeah. And good on that. The only thing that concerns me is... 
impeachment may be used as a way of retaliating, as Clinton's impeachment was in its own way a retaliation for Nixon's impeachment oh, yeah. 30 years earlier. Right. Um, yes, it was. Same as how Kavanaugh, and Kavanaugh especially, was revenge over Bork. Yes, that's Th- right. Those, those resentments, have they last memories. a long time. Yeah, it could happen and it could be a back and forth. And, yeah. you know, one thing that Joe Biden said during the debates, I, I believe him on this, and I've thought this for a long time, that if we don't find a way to have our two sides come together to govern, mm-hmm. our ability <coughs> to continue as a democracy is at an end. Yeah. Really, we can't have a democracy without having cooperation between right. the two parties. And that's more of my concern in the long term. Yeah. I'm glad that impeachment is happening. Right. I'm glad that it happened. I think we had to do it. Mm-hmm. And we won't know the results for at least another year. Mm-hmm. Um, even after we have another president, if we have another president, there will be a lot to shake out, as right. Mayor Pete has said. It's right. about the day after the yep. inauguration. Yep. And I also believe Nancy Pelosi when she said, all roads lead to Putin. Yes. I really think that's the whole thing. And that's the strand that's little beads are going to come off the necklace at that point. You know, yes. it's going to be like, yeah. that's the that's the thing. Well, that's the subject for our next podcast, Putin. dear listeners. Yes, we do. We have to have a conversation about yeah. Putin. He might not be in power all that long either. These structures aren't, according to the woman on Trumpcast today, they're not as formidable as they appear to be. No, I think she's right about that, which is very hopeful. Yeah, it kind of makes it, because otherwise, if you don't see that, you don't have an impetus to go out and protest because you think, what's the point? It's so, it's so solid. It's just like concrete. Yes. But that's why we need voices like that that say, it's not necessarily as solid as it appears to be. It never is. Yeah. I don't think. Just like our psychological issues that we deal with aren't necessarily as intractable as yes, they seem to be. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We we have options. We right. have choices. Right. And things can be, yeah. tyrants can be overthrown. Yes. Yay. Let's end on that note. Okay. I like that. Happy Christmas note. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, happy holidays, boomers. I guess that uh, by the time you hear this, it will be inching up to a brand new year. So let's hope that 2020 is the year we hope it will be. Well, thank you for joining us, boomers. And we will hopefully be back on our usual once a week podcasting and publishing schedule. 2020's coming. Yeah. Get ready, boomers. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.